All right, welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you the voices that are shaping the future and helping you take control of yours. I'm your host, Tim Winfrey, and today we have an incredibly special guest with us. Please welcome Dylan Vaness, the founder and CEO of Agency Box, a man who has journeyed through the highs and lows of entrepreneurship, business, and personal development to reach a point where he's impacting lives and scaling mountains, both figuratively and literally. Dylan, welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, man. How are you doing today? Thanks, man. Dude, that's a that's a good intro. You you did you use ChatGPT for that? I did. I did. <laughs> it is wonderful at writing intros. It is very good at taking what other people give me and and, and really putting it into a bow. I'm just like, hey, write an <laughs> intro for me, and it's actually tremendous at it. Usually, I actually fix most of what ChatGPT does, but I'll tell you one thing, dude. It is really good at this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool, man. We will get into AI a little bit later, but I'd love to talk about branding. Um, we have a lot of real estate agents that listen to this show, so I think branding advice is going to be super pertinent to the audience. So I am a total novice at branding. I would say my branding in general sucks. So like, what would be um, a broad strokes overview of a branding strategy? And I'll just dive deeper into it. Yeah, sure. So uh, the way I look at branding, it's it's uh, how, do, how do other people perceive you? Right. What is the brand? And for me, you know, I'm, I've always been fascinated, you know, literally, literally when I was a kid, for some reason, I was more fascinated almost by commercials than by the actual uh, show being ran. I would like watch, I'd see a commercial like Coca-Cola running an ad and I'm like, wow, they have one of every different demographic on this ad. They have a black guy, they have an old lady, they have a white lady, you know, they have a Chinese guy. And it's like, you know, I, I was a kid, I'm like, this is so interesting. And I'm like, what are they doing here? Well, obviously they're appealing to a wide group of people. And so what I think is when it comes to branding, it's like, what are, you know, what's, what are the strategic things you're doing in your business to appeal to your audience? And then how does that play out? Um, you know, we're in a current era right now, which is really a digital first era. And really what that means is we're literally uh, in a space where, uh, people, it's like almost what matters online is more important than what happens offline, which to me is, you know, pretty crazy because I, I live in, in the real world, but I also have, you know, I run a marketing agency where people live in the digital world. And so, um, for me, I think one of the big things to do as a brand, especially like, look, if you're a real estate agent or you're trying to start up a company, you're trying to, you know, get deals. There's one thing you can do that separates you from every single other person out there. And it's really simple. Um, it's becoming the brand. It's like, you know, I, there's, you know, I have clients we work with. In fact, I actually originally got started six years, six and a half years ago in the real estate space. My clients were real estate agents and I was working with them. And then it's morphed a million times into what I do now. But ultimately, the question is, how do you stand out in today's age? Well, let me just just paint a picture for you. I don't think it's a coincidence that the most successful companies in today's era, Tesla, Apple, uh, Amazon, Microsoft, have a prominent personal brand, a person behind the brand, right? Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. In fact, if you go on social media, uh, the individual is always, is always followed more by more people than the brand. So I think as, you know, as, as, someone who's trying to build a business and uh, and grow that business, you need to look at ways to actually become the person because a person is much more sticky than, than you know, uh, a West Coast real estate. No one really cares, right? But John, sure. the number one luxury broker on the West Coast, 
of the United States, that's sexy. That's cool. People can mm-hmm. get behind that. That makes a lot of sense. I'm curious. How much does the person become the brand or how much is the brand defined by the person? Uh, you know, you get to choose, right? It's interesting is uh, uh, Paris Hilton. You know who Paris Hilton is? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So she, she said something a long time ago uh, in an interview. She said, you know, I actually created an alternate version of myself because I, when I was in the spotlight and people were attacking me, I didn't want it to be me. So she created this like alternate person who was the person in the spotlight and it kind of protected her, which is mm-hmm. interesting. But uh, on, on that note, I think that the cool thing about building a personal brand is it's like going to a new high school in a different city. Like you get to decide who you want to be and who you, you know, who you want to, what, who you what you want to stand for. Okay. So if I were to start a personal brand right now, like what kind of steps would I take in order to start going in that direction? So the way I look at it is, is uh, there's, there's three aspects. So on the, it's like a triangle, imagine it, and there's three layers. So starting on the bottom is authority. So unfortunately people don't really care who you are, what you have to say, what you do until they know that you're an authority worth listening to. It's kind of like this, it's kind of this backwards thing, but you need to build up what's called a baseline level of social proof in order to actually, um, to have a chance of people caring. So typically that's like, you know, 10,000 followers on Instagram. You want to have a, a website up, a personal brand website. You want to get a couple articles about you in the media. Like that's the first step. Now, once you've done that, you're establishing that baseline level of social proof. You now got to go into level two, which is about, about, you and your story. What are you saying? What are you trying to tell the world? What's the content you're creating, right? If you're posting on social media, what are you speaking? What are the words you're saying and how are they going to resonate? Uh, the easiest way for people to, to think about this is basically just, just start creating content and sharing it with the world. Um, and, and, you know, on social media, it can be hard to do that because there's, it's like a lot of people are faced with like fear of like, what is some, so-and-so, you know, what's the, you know, that cute girl from high school going to think about me. What's my mm-hmm. mom going to say when I'm posting three times a day? Is she going to unfollow me? Like these are the things that cross <laughs> my mind. And they're the yeah. exact reasons why, you know, anytime you're, anytime I believe someone's faced with uh, self-doubt or limiting beliefs, you should go towards those because success mm-hmm. is on the other side of that. And if you don't face it now, you're going to be faced with it later. So push towards them, right? So make content. And at the top of the pyramid, is building an audience. And so a lot of people, they'll post two, three, four, five pieces of content. It's like, why is no one following me? Well, here's the reality. The reality is, is that um, just because you post it three times doesn't mean you're going to get followed. But it is hard to build an audience in right now. Like organically, I'll be honest, it's, it's getting more saturated online. So how do you do it? Well, the easiest thing to do is what I call audience hacking. In fact, it's what we're doing right now. You go on people's podcasts, you go on people's stages, you go on people's, you do collaborations with people's content, you go live with people, you do these things to get in front of someone else's audience who's already done the hard work to build the audience and you just borrow their audience from them. And heck, if you get, if I get one follower, you know, you go do a podcast, you get one follower, that guy potentially buys from you, it's worth it. So Mm -hmm. um, I like to prospect for audiences and not people, right? Most people go out and most realtors, for example, they're going to, to networking dinners and this and that, trying to find individual deals. But what if there was a way for you to find one deal, to do the same effort it takes to do one deal, but instead of closing one deal, you, you close 10 
or 15. That's what mm-hmm. I do. You'll go pitch someone on having you in front of their on at their stage, speak at their event, or go have go uh, go uh, pitch someone on being on their podcast, right? And now you're speaking to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if I wanted to go audience hack right now, um, what would be some strategies to start getting on stages, start getting on podcasts, and and things like that? Uh, so. Uh, so here's the, t- here's like the easy thing to do. I-, I live in Vegas, so I'm kind of like spoiled in this way, but I literally can just go to, um, uh, I, there's a new event here every single week. And so for me, I can just go ahead and email the event. And this is the pitch I say, Hey, uh, my, my, uh, assistant sent us out. Hey, so-and-so event owner. Um, uh, my boss Dylan is actually happens to be in Vegas the weekend of your event. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so typically uh, he charges X to X to speak, right? You know, $5,000, $10,000 to speak, to do an hour long keynote. But because he's already there and he's trying to fill his calendar, um, he'd be open to waive that if you, you know, if you need additional speakers at your event. Uh, if you're interested, let, let us know. Um, his schedule is booking up quickly. So let us know in the next week or so. And uh, that's the pitch. And you just send out, if you send out a, a hundred of those, I guarantee you'll get a speaking event, like a good size speaking event. Yeah, volume tends to work. Um, volume tends to work. I love that because you're like, hey, we usually charge super high price. We're going to give it to you for free. So you're, you're, you're introducing value and then you put scarcity. Like, <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of clever marketing things that you did there. Um, somebody not at your stature, though, or maybe not even at your confidence, because I'm sure anybody could write that. Um, it doesn't mean it's Chat true, GPT right? right. Um, <laughs> exactly. Chat GPT certainly can. Um, <laughs> like, how would you start from somebody that's maybe not as confident as you are that they should be on stage? Uh, I think that the the thing is is like is you start getting on stage and in, in virtually. You know, my first hundred keynotes I did were virtual. In fact, the reason why is mainly because of COVID. All these events that were happening kind of stopped happening, and for me, I you know I went up. And uh, I was doing a lot of uh, like webinars and live coaching calls to groups of people. And, you know, I spoke to the largest stage I'd ever been on pre-COVID was probably 25 people. And then I'm doing these webinars to 500,000 people virtually. And when you're sitting there and you're really, you have, you know, your, your camera's big, you see yourself and then there's a whole bunch of little faces. It's a lot less intimidating. Um and then post COVID, you know, I've spoken on stages in front of thousands of people. But the thing is, is doing it virtually is is a good way to start. Um, that's on the confidence side, I'd say. On the side of, hey, uh, maybe I, I don't have the authority or the credibility or I don't deserve to be on a big stage. In that case, uh, the thing is, is you kind of got to work your way up, right? So there's two ways to get on big stages if you've never been, uh, never been, uh, like you've never been on a big stage before. Number one is you become friends with the person throwing the event. Um, a lot of times people who have events, they'll just have their friends speak at the event just because they want their friends there. Um, and so if you're good friends with someone, I like if your best friend was throwing an event and they knew you wanted to speak, they're going to let you speak, even if it's a 15 minute talk. Um, the second way to get on stage is to uh, is to start at smaller stages, build up like a speaker reel, and then take that speaker reel and go ahead and pitch it to larger things. Um, you can get on meetups, right? Meetup.com. There's like little, you know, little meetups of 15, 20 people all the time. You can host your own event. 
right? Goingmeetup.com. Actually, in fact, I did this. I hosted my own little meetup event, got 30 people there, filmed it. That was content. And then uh, the other way to do it is um, uh, so host your own event, uh, speaker real other events. And um, there's a third a third way, but I'm, I'm, I'm building a way up. But I'm oh, Ted, Ted. So you've heard of Ted, uh, like Ted Talks? Oh, yeah. So TEDx events are in, in every city. There's, you know, there's two per year in, in most major cities. I bet Chicago, you know, where you're at has a couple a year. Vegas, in fact, in fact, I, I actually have a TEDx license. I'm going to be hosting a TEDx event coming up here. But the cool thing is, is it's just ordinary people that are looking to uh, co- connect with cool people in their city and, and ideas worth sharing is, is the motto of TED. So you can go to TED, TEDx.com. You can search for events. You'll find an event in your city. You can literally go and message the host. When I uh, created my TEDx event, I got like, you know, 15 different messages probably from people uh, leading up to the event. And a couple of them are on the list where I'm going to go ahead and, and, and actually have them talk. So oh. that's, that's a few little, little speaking tips there. That's pretty cool. So you just reach out to the people managing the events and they might let you. And then I could say, thanks for listening to my TED Talk for real. Yeah. Um. And what's, what's cool on that, just to wrap up that thought, is that it gets recorded. It gets posted on their TED Talks YouTube channel. And now forever, you can say you did a TEDx talk. You can like mm-hmm. slap that on your Instagram page or whatever. And it, and it bears a lot. It does bear a lot of credibility. People don't really realize how easy it is to get a TED Talk. I was about to say, you've, you've lit my light bulb up there. I'm going to be trying right away, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, um, what does an engaging potential TED Talk speaker email look like? And how do you vet them? Mm, I'll speak from experience on the ones I got. Um, it's always, so in anything I do, it's all about leading with value and service. Mm-hmm. So step one, it's like, how can you serve? So, hey, uh, so that this is what I'll just tell you, like, m- Nine out of 10 of the messages I got from people and the emails I got were, hey, I saw you're having a TED thing, a TED event. I'd love to speak at it. Um, here's why my story is like so, th- so interesting. They'd give, write me a novel on, on their life they've been through. Uh, I got a handful of messages that were the opposite. One, one in particular was, hey, Dylan, uh, I saw your events coming up. Super excited for it. In fact, as soon as tickets are available, let me know. I'd love to buy a couple and, and come either way. Uh, that said, I also, uh, if you need extra hands to, to around the event, I'm more than happy to. And by the way, I've always wanted to do a TEDx talk. If I did, here's what the topic would be. If you want to learn more, let me know. Right. Hey, I'm going to buy tickets. I'll be there. Hey, I'm happy to volunteer. And Hey, by the way, PS, right. Uh, do you mind helping me now to, to that I've offered to help you? Absolutely. That makes sense. Cause you're, Giving before you're asking. There's actually two gives there before you ask. It's almost the perfect ratio. We'll try to find a third give somehow. Um, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, so cool. We were talking personal. Well, actually, before we do that, um, I know stage fright is a thing for a lot of people. Um, what would you recommend to those people? Uh, you just picture everyone in their underwear. Simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, you know, the thing is, is when you're up on stage a big stages like like thousands of people the lights wash everyone out you only see the first like three or four rows like it's not even like you don't it's not like you're seeing all these people um although uh i understand like what if i mess up what if i look stupid all this stuff um and i think i think 
oftentimes people are confusing what's really excitement with nervousness. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so eager to be on this stage and share my story and potentially impact and inspire people that I don't want to mess up and therefore I'm getting nervous. And so if simply just flipping that mindset and when you're feeling that stage fright or that nervousness and like, you know, people feel it in your body, right? It's like tingles or whatever it is. Just know and consciously say to yourself like, oh, I'm excited. This is excitement. This is a positive emotion, not a negative one. And I'm, I'm you know, I, I do have tactical stuff I do like like this, like little tips and tricks. And I'm not a big fan of like, who just mentally changed and it'll be better. But with this, it's actually really interesting. It's because you are excited. You want to be there. Otherwise, don't do it. You don't have to do it. No one's pressuring you to do it. So mm-hmm. just just remind yourself that you are excited, that this feeling is excitement and, and let the rest of the emotions fade away. That makes sense. Has anything truly, truly embarrassing ever happened to you up on stage? <laughs> Dude, you know what's funny? So I did a podcast with a guy um, uh, named Cody. He runs a company called VizCat Media. Um, and uh, he's telling me he's he, he got offered his first speaking gig ever. Uh, I have this this I have a, like this clip from the podcast that's going to go out soon on my on my Instagram. But um, uh, I bas- I guess I'm basically saying his embarrassing story, not mine. So he he goes in. This is his first talk he's ever doing, and he shows up in a spacesuit. Like, like, a, like a, yeah, like, like a space. <laughs> and so he's, and everyone else, they walked up from the side of the stage, they went on, they did the wave and they got talking. He came in from the back of the room and the guy goes, everyone welcome Cody. He looks around that the guy hosting the event had no idea he's doing this. And Cody walks in, he goes, who wants to blow their social media to the moon? <laughs> and it went miserable. No one laughed. Oh wow. No one thought it was funny. And he's wearing which by the way, I'm picturing I'm picturing like a like a like a NASA spacesuit. No, he was wearing like one of those Amazon like co- like Halloween costume spacesuits. No way. <laughs> yeah. Everyone who listens to our show knows Matt and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times you have watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. And the results prove this. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secret that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is why we have opened up a few one-on-one coaching slots with Freedom Chasers Coaching, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are and where you want to go, and most importantly, how you want to get there. Where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are, where you want to go, and how you want to get there. The benefit of working with Matt and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 successful people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten the inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We are able to work with you to pick the strategy that will fit the best and then help you create the custom plan and steps to take you quickly into financial freedom. The fastest way between two points is a straight line. 
If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us, and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Well, secondhand embarrassment is real, um, because I'm feeling it, and I wasn't even there. Um, (laughs) Wow. Um, Cool, man. Let's – okay, one more, actually. One more. Um, I had this guy, Brandon, from Master Talk on, and he said, you should do virtual events first. It's a great way to get used to it. But he said, don't even do personal events until you feel like you are undeniable on stage. Is that something you would agree with? Uh, yeah, I think like, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, it's like if you can do virtual, like do it. Um, but also at the same time, like I, I wouldn't turn down the opportunity. Like mm-hmm. like if opportunities presented with you, someone says, hey, you know, will you speak at my event? Like don't turn that down. Say yes. You're going to mess up. You're going to be nervous, but like it's going to happen. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know, like, you know, a real estate agent, you're going to mess up your first open house. Right. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to happen. So just, you might as well mess up when the stakes are low or you might as well mess up now instead of procrastinating and delaying it. And then it never happens. Absolutely, man. Get out there and fail fast. Right. Um, Cool. So let's pull this back to branding now. We've been talking, speaking for a while. Um, if somebody else is starting branding, like I know the first thing that comes to mind for me is like, do I need to go pick colors and stuff like that? Is that something I need to associate myself with? Obviously, a lot of people put funny hats on and stuff like that, popping gl- glasses or something like that. Am I even thinking in the right realm is my question. <laughs> so what's interesting, so Pepsi redesigned their logo recently, uh, like like last year or before. And uh, they spent over a million dollars on the logo. Now, like, think about that. They were literally taking uh, the rotation of the earth and the moon and the way it comes in. And if you look at the report, they have, like, different different variations of the logo. It's like, this is representative of the, of the moon at the night and all this stuff. End of the day, Pepsi's logo, like, to most people, looks the same. Now, mm-hmm. whether or not it's changes how much money they make i don't know right but i sure as hell know for the ordinary person who's not a multi-billion dollar company the your logo is not the make it break between a deal mm-hmm. i don't know about you but i've never bought or not bought from someone because i thought their logo was cool that's for sure <laughs> yeah. what what's more important is action ultimately whatever you can do to get in a state where you're making progress forward and a logo doesn't now a name, maybe. And I think for naming, naming, it's extremely important that your name is easy to say, uh, easy to say, spell, and remember. And for that reason, uh, it should also, so say, spell, and remember, it should also describe in some capacity what you do. That makes sense. Name of my marketing agency, it's called Mindful Agency. What do you think we do? We work with mindful individuals and brands to help them grow online. Mother company, mm-hmm. agency box. What do you think it is? It's a marketing agency in a box. You want to start a mm-hmm. marketing agency? It's a turnkey marketing agency. So mm-hmm. uh, that, that's how I think about naming. Much more important than colors. Yeah, that makes sense. How much time do you put into the name? And do you do, I'm assuming you do a ton of market research prior, right? Oh, I, I was, I was sar- going to sarcastically say I do a ton and then say like I don't actually but I'll skip you the, the, the sarcasm and just let you know, like basically my, my, when I want to start another company, you know, I've got, I've got a, a few projects in the works that will, you know, that will be new companies in the future. 
uh, for me, it's just an, it's a domain name search and a Google search. It's like, I just come up with some ideas. I'm, I'm sitting there, right. If we're, you know, I'm at a restaurant, right. And me and, you know, me and my, my dad are talking, I'm like, dad, I got this idea, you know, and I would never do this with my dad because he would probably poo poo the idea and, and give me all the reasons why it won't work. I love my dad, but, um, you know, he's not the, oh, I get it. The <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be sitting next to unicorn land, right? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. That's going to work. It's going to be the best idea ever. Yep. So, um, for me, uh, yeah, it's just like, oh, like, what do I think it'll work? And we're just, you know, on Namecheap is my, where I buy my domains. I'm literally just Googling or searching on Namecheap what domain's available. And when, if a domain's available, then my second step is I go Google it and uh, see, do, is there another company that's prominent that's using it? Now, if it's some Instagram page that has the same name, it doesn't matter. Like, But all you want to make sure is, is there a prominent? And then there's, you know, you want to start do trade, if you want to go serious into it eventually like a trademark search and stuff but really just to get started think of what you want it to be called and just search the domain is is the dot com available i love how you got two eight figure companies and you're just like i just kind of searched the domain for it. <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh, well, um, so, so so with agency box by the way um dot com was a was not so this so a lot of times the dot com especially now there's what's called domain squatters these guys and girls who they just buy mm-hmm. domains to hold them. And uh, for me, uh, you know, I, I, when I started Agency Box, I'm like, I'm not going to go spend whatever. I don't know what it was back then or if it was even public. But I'm like, I just know this domain is not being used by anyone. So in the future, if this company happens to be successful, I could always buy the domain, the real mm-hmm. domain. So instead of getting agencybox.com, I got myagencybox.com, which was a $10 domain. And then a few years later, I went and bought, you know, agencybox.com for like seven grand or something. And so, uh, you know, when I wanted to actually get the proper domain. That's a good investment for them. They got seven grand for just squatting on that domain for a little bit. I know, I know, (laughs) I know. It's crazy. Um, Well, cool, man. Tell me a little bit about your two ventures, man. I mean, I probably don't have the whole time to get into it, but I know you're here to inspire people to take massive action. So let's talk about that story. Like how could we empower people to change their lives based on that part of your journey? So when I was uh, 16, so I come from a family of dentists, my dad's a dentist, his dad is a dentist. And uh, naturally I was supposed to be a dentist, take over the family business. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I probably would have had most of my life, like, you know, comfortable set up for me. Right. And uh, when I was 16, I went to this leadership camp that was ran by dentists, by the way. Uh, it wasn't all dentists, but it was it was, it was was like the guy who made it was dentist. That's how my dad found out about it. And uh, they shipped me off from Canada, where I'm from, Vancouver, down to UCLA in, in California. To, and I'm like, heck yeah, beautiful girls. Literally, they had, um, <clears throat> they had Miss Teen USA. Every state of Miss Teen USA went there. So there's like 50... Like oh, babe, nice. absolute babes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sweet and, uh, deal. And you're 16, <laughs> huh? Yeah, there you yeah, go. I'm like, I'm like, dad, thank you. Like, <laughs> And uh, I get there and I'm expecting this party, all this stuff. And they're like, oh, so here's the schedule. You're waking up at 6 a.m. every day. You come in, you sit in the lecture hall. We're going to teach you about these things called goals and time management and public speaking. And I was like, That's weird. Core values, all this stuff. So then um, I went. Uh, obviously, I- I'm there. Uh, I'm doing this stuff and about halfway through the week, I meet this guy named Chris and, and I'm like, like, 
Chris, you, you, you seem to have together. I saw your Instagram, like you got a nice house, nice cars, like all this stuff. What do you do? Like, what kind of dentist are you? And, uh, he's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, <laughs> I, I create value to the marketplace. I was like, what's that? And, you know, we get talking and I'm like, oh crap, like this is what I want to do. Because number one, you get freedom. You got to do what you want, when you want. Two, you get paid to help people. And three, you're not stuck. I'm not a dentist for the rest of my life. If I want to, you know, if AI takes over and I want to start an AI company, I can go start an AI company. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was like, this is cool. And so, you know, I went back back home and uh, ended up going to college, uh, ended up dropping out of college. I uh, didn't hear from my dad for six months uh, and started the business. And I'm like, this is cool stuff. And so, you know, that was, I was probably 21. I'm 29 now. It's like uh, throughout the, throughout the evolution, I've done multiple businesses um, and I've had, you know, I had a couple, I had a couple major flops. I had you know one or two kind of things that did all right. And then, you know, I have my businesses I do now. Mm-hmm. Very cool, man. So I've talked to enough people to have a pretty clear distinction. What's the difference between a six figure entrepreneur and a seven figure, but I don't think I've had the privilege to talk to enough eight figure people to, to define the difference between seven and eight. So obviously this is going to be a complicated question to answer, but what's the first thing that comes to mind? What, what takes a seven figure entrepreneur to eight? What's interesting is, is, um, I don't lie anymore when i was younger and new and green i would kind of like lie or not not lie but i guess like you know i would i would make things look a certain way especially as a kid right when i'm like 18 mm-hmm. um you know my tinder profile probably said i was like you know some, <laughs> yeah, some crazy success and the thing is the more i grow i realize that everyone who's at the high levels they've been through those phases and they can see right through it Mm-hmm. So the only people you're lying to is the people below you or at your same level. If you want to mm-hmm. impress people above you, you want to grow, like just be real. Cause I can look an entrepreneur. I can almost pinpoint, you know, I can, I can look at, I can look at them, literally look at their social media or look at some of their content. And I can be like, okay, they're probably doing roughly X amount per month in revenue. <clears throat> and um, you can also hear the way they speak too, right? It's a different level of, of certainty, different level of, of communication. So on my end, I think uh, there's actually a guy named uh, Alex uh, Alex uh, Sharfin, um, and he has something called the billion the billionaires uh, playbook or handbook or it's called the billionaires code by Alex Sharfin. He literally has it broken down at each stage of an entrepreneur. It's like from zero to fifty k, fifty k to two hundred k, two hundred to five hundred, and like every one. He says, "Here's what here's what you're struggling with right now. Here's what you need to do to go to the next level." And every single one is, is, is true, is correct. And uh, I stumbled across that like four or five years ago. And I've, I just reference it out every now and then as like, oh, like, you know, I'm here, I should do this. So, well, I don't have the answer, right? I've, I do have the answer for kind of like some of the levels that I've been through. I think mm-hmm. that's a really good place to look. It's like, if you want to grow to the next level, like reference someone who's already been to the highest level, someone who's built a billion dollar company. Cool, man. Of the entrepreneur's journey, which stage did you dislike the very most? Dude, I, I, uh, I think that, uh, honestly, I'm at a stage right now, which is really interesting, right? 
it's like rapid growth. It's like all this stuff. Um, I would almost go back to like four hour a week, work week, virtual, you know, no office, low employees, just making mm-hmm. money remotely um, because it's, you know, it's a lot less stress. It's a lot more chill. But at the same time, I did make a decision. I want to do something great. So I think, I think just speaking from experience, like, and other, I've seen other entrepreneurs go through this too, um, where you reach a certain level and you're like, I don't know if like, it's like, I guess, why do you get into business? For me, Mm -hmm. I got into business for freedom. I got into business for, um, uh, uh, to have time freedom, location freedom. I didn't get into business. so I could sit at, you know, work at nine to five. So I don't know. I guess, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm in a place right now where I'm, I'm understanding and I'm learning what I want in life, what I don't want in life. And as I move forward, I'm going to continue to uh, build my life and define it in a way that, that, that I want. Absolutely. I could tell you're one of the most chill dudes I've ever met. So <laughs> that is without question. Um, what is the major impact that you guys are working on building right now? Uh, so from, for me, I'm looking at how, how to, uh, tap into emerging technologies like AI and automation to help businesses. See, there's this uh, this thing called little pandemic that happened a few years ago, and it destroyed uh, local businesses, mom and pop shops, local businesses, any small company uh, got rocked by it. And for me, it's like you know that that was completely completely unavoidable, especially if these businesses had known how to use social media more on the internet. Like I, I went for sushi. A couple of weeks ago, and the owner was there. Uh, I didn't know he was the owner but until that night. I'd been there a few times, and he's like, "I was like, what's up?" He's like, "Oh, we're we're on Uber Eats. Today's the first day." And I was like, "Oh, like that's nice. Like that's cool." He's like, "Yeah, these young people, they just don't want to come in anymore. Like I want people to come in, but and this is it's a big sushi restaurant. I'm telling you, like this isn't just a hole in the wall. Like this is it's pretty dang big. I don't know how this company survived uh, the last three years." without being on Uber Eats and DoorDash. <laughs> but I guess for me, it's like my mission would be to support these businesses, help them grow, help them get the tools, the resources, and the systems to be able to scale and scale using the internet. And, um, you know, the more money they make, if I'm doing things the right way, the more money I'll make. Very cool, man. I love that. So that was a nice little transition into AI. You mentioned pre-show that you're like top 1% in the world. So I need to dive into that. First off, how did you know my intro was AI? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because it was good. It wasn't just... just, (laughs) Thank you. You didn't just just read off like my Instagram bio or something. Like you literally had something and it was was good. Um, So yeah, but uh, if you had said it wasn't AI, I would have believed you. Um, oh, okay. But that, that, that said for me, uh, you know, I said, I guess I say like top 1% at, by like, I kind of just discovered that like by accident, you know, I, I'm like, I love AI super cool. Like every I'm using everything in with AI using it in my business. I built AI tools. In fact, if you opt in for, you know, any one of my ads, you'll get a, at some point you might get a selfie of me and the mm-hmm. selfie might even have your name. Okay. In, in the photo, like literally built a tool that does that. And um, so that said, for me, I was like using this stuff and I start talking to more people and people too in business. I'm like, 
like people I respect. I'm like, so what are you guys, are you doing at AI? And they're like, not nothing. I'm like, what do you mean? Like you haven't been building your own apps and things and I'm like, no, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so for me, I kind of, I kind of just discovered I'm, 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 I'm a bit of a tech nerd. I definitely love technology. So for me, when I see the power that this stuff has, I'm jumping on it. I'm using it to the best of my ability. Okay. So what are the coolest AI things that the general population doesn't know about? Uh, so there's actually conversational AI right now where, where you can get a phone call. In fact, I think I got one to like right before we jumped on today, it was an AI voice thing that was like, it was a voice, a voice note, like a voice, um, a voicemail. And uh, I was like, this, this has got to be AI. Because there's actually conversational AI now that can talk. And I'll say it's like 95% there. The average person probably wouldn't be able to tell. You could be having, we could literally be AI, uh, you know, AI creations right now and not even, not even know it. I think what's, what's interesting. So I was, uh, I had someone call me a few, uh, a few weeks ago and uh, they were telling me something on the phone and I was like, I, I didn't know how to respond. So uh, this is going to sound horrible, but I opened up ChatGPT and I briefly, I'm, while I'm on speakerphone, I'm typing in what this person is telling me and I'm saying, how do I respond? Uh, how do I respond in a way to make the person feel validated and, and, um, and, uh, and, and ha- come, come up happier? And so it gives me the step-by-step thing to say. I'm saying it. All of a sudden, this person starts calming down and is like happy. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And I had this thought in that exact moment. I said, this is crazy. What if my entire conversation was, I was like the word, I was actually AI. And at the end of it, I got a little text message with the summary. And then I was like, that'd be freaky, but take it one step further. What if, what if their voice was AI and our AIs were talking? And then I realized something. I realized that we're already doing that. We're already having AI talk to AI. Most people don't know it. Most, not everyone real is conscious of it, but through email, a mm-hmm. lot of people are using AI to write emails right now. Oh yeah, and then you get an email, and then the person is using AI to write the response. Oh, so we literally <laughs> have our AIs right now emailing back and forth, talking to people. It's only a matter of time before it it makes its way to conversation. Oh, when you put it that way, it's like when is AI going to replace us? I suppose that's something a lot of people are worried about. I was talking about AI a little bit earlier today. I mean, I didn't have time to ask this question, so I'm going to ask it to you. Um, do you think that AI is replacing people like copywriters and all that stuff, all the sad noises out there? Or do you think that the people that are able to take advantage of AI might actually have a greater opportunity than they would have without it? Yeah, you nailed it with that, right? What the, the, the difference is the ability to create is becoming less valuable the ability to articulate and organize if you can become the person who's controlling the puppets right the Mm -hmm. in the show you can have two three four puppets and you can do a whole show with just two hands but the thing is if you're trying to be the puppet you're trying to be the you know the metaphorical puppet in this case it's going to be hard for you to get ahead when other people are able to use these tools and actually control it so when it comes to AI, what's really important, imperative to understand right now is that um, just to look, look at how far it's come in the last, uh, you know, last year alone to sit and think that in 25 years, AI 
will not have the ability to replace pretty much everything we do is just ignorant. Mm -hmm. I got a copywriter. Um, he used to be a full-time copywriter for me. He's not anymore. Uh, now <laughs> I, I, I that was cold, man. That was cold. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> I, now I'll, I'll follow it up by saying I actually didn't fire him because of AI. In fact, I fired him before ChatGPT. before I was using ChatGPT. before I was really using AI. It just wasn't a good fit. Now, What's interesting is over the last 12 months, I've used it. I've probably written, you know, hundreds of emails with it. I've probably sent AI written emails to, you know, millions of millions of emails sent out using AI, AI that I've, I've created. And uh, I actually just brought the guy back. I brought my copywriter back because there is, I can go whip up a quick little chat GPT email but there is some something to be said about someone who understands mm -hmm. the the things to look for, right? A graphic designer, yeah, I can go have, you know, a logo made up using AI, uh, but is it going to have colors that are known to be appealing to the eye? Is it going to have the the moon and the earth, you know, circumference mm -hmm. in it? Probably not. And so, for now, at least for the short term, I think there's, I think it's more powerful to be someone who's using AI or to be working with people who are using AI than to, 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 you know, try to do it all yourself or try to do it all uh, manually. I think, I think there's, it's kind of, we're kind of in a blended phase right now. Absolutely. What do you think is the greatest use of AI as of today? Mm, I'll say for me, the greatest use is, um, is kind of like organizing my thoughts. So like if I have an idea for something, I'll just like, I'll just like start dumping it into like chat GPT and I'll give you three, I'll give you three use cases, right? Uh, so use case one that I love is just that you just, and then it like, and say like organize this and it spits it out in like one, two, three, four. That's one use case two. Uh, Bard is Google's version of chat GPT. Mm -hmm. B-A-R-D. And while it's not as good at creating like copy and like emails and written text, it's really good at, at data and facts. You want to stat for anything? I could go in there and say, hey, give me, you know, give me three statistics on why podcasting is the best opportunity of 2023. And it'll give it to it'll find like like real stats and it'll link you to them. So you know, if you go to Google and you're ever trying to find stats or data, um, you have to sort through a lot of stuff and you end up going to these sites that make you pay extra for stuff. Like if you just want the stats, you want to use them in an ad or a webinar or whatever it is, go there. Um, third use case. Uh, I built, I was telling you about this little AI chat bot. I put 2000 leads into it. I booked 200 appointments uh, in the first, in the first week of using it where we just took old leads that didn't respond to it, put them into the sequence and we got a 10% booking rate, which is absurd. And it required no manpower. In order to book 200 appointments, I'd have to have, you know, let me let me think this through. That'd probably be, you know, an average person can book maybe 10 a day. You know, what I need 20 days of, of manpower to do that. Whereas with AI, you just do it like that. Wow. Not only did you give us a reason to use Bard, but then you intrigued the hell out of us with your booking appointments. Obviously, anybody listening would be interested in that, Dylan. Um, Dylan, Vanessa, man, if the audience wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do so? Uh, dude, uh, for me, Instagram is, I kind of see everything. You can go to my website, dylanvanis.com, D-Y-L-A-N. 
V-A-N-V-A-N-A-S.com and kind of see links to everything. Um, or just hit me up on Instagram at Dylan Vanis and uh, it's all there. There you go, man. Um, awesome, man. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time, guys. Um, don't be the puppet. Become the person behind the puppet strings and start to create your own show. You can have a whole show by yourself utilizing AI nowadays. So go out there, start experimenting with it. Don't be afraid of the future because it's coming whether or not you want it to or not. So there you have it. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode. Good stuff, man. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 